Uh, welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. We'll be joined by John and Pete. And we're going to dissect the week in sport. Mind you, dissect it with a bread knife. You can find us on Love Sport on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us, Paul, at Paul underscore football on Twitter. John at Lambic Peach. And Pete at Pete Novikowski. All things sport, we are the Love Sport Podcast. Good to have you on board. Uh, well, so good to be back here. So yeah, for one, I'll say good morning. We've never done a morning recording before, have we? Uh, probably not, but it has felt like it sometimes, I'll tell you now. <laughs> Look, we, we're, we're generally a very positive podcast, or we try and be, but I'm, I'm going to start off with a, give you a bit of an opportunity to have a rant about anything in sport at the moment that's frustrating. Yeah, we'll start with you, Pete. Anything that's rant-worthy? Uh, Look, uh, there's so many things that we could probably talk about, but uh, let's start with the elephant in the room. That is, anytime you open up a newspaper or anytime you go to a uh, news website, uh, what news is there about women's football or women's sport in general? Uh, You know, it's generally decorated with what's happening in, in men's games or what's the latest... NRL scandal, but, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of really good things going on in women's sport and there's not a whole lot of stories being produced to celebrate it. That's a really good point. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate and um, get myself in trouble with our female demographic. Is it not also incumbent upon us as people who follow all sports, men or women, and is it not also incumbent... um, upon women who follow sport to find alternative means of getting the word out. Instead of relying on the traditional patriarchal newspapers, websites and everything, is it not time that we change the kind of rhetoric somehow? I mean, there's social media and so forth. Can we not do something ourselves to change that? Absolutely. Um, one of my favourite Twitter accounts is actually Siren Sports, who've recently been nominated for a few awards, and they basically talk all things um, about what's happening in uh, women's sports in a whole lot of different environments. So, you know, there's a whole lot of really good things out there, but, uh, you know, the traditional media still does reign supreme at times. Uh, you know, if there's a five-minute segment for sports on TV at the the late night news or whatever, you might get 15 seconds that's dedicated to whatever's going on um, in women's sports. So, yeah, definitely for me is uh, kind of – that's my little issue and I would love it if in 2021, uh, you know, especially in the sport that I coach in and play in is uh, football, that there's slightly more recognition for what's going on in the women's game. Are you still there, Pete? Sorry. Yeah, I'm still here. Yep. Yeah, you just cut out there for a second, mate. Sorry about that. Oh, well, let's start a hashtag. We'll come out with a couple. I know 
um, people might not always think they cut through. But women's sport on news, um, we can do something like that. We'll start something this week. And uh, any time there's, um, you know, worthwhile female sport, which is every day, we'll chuck in a hashtag uh, women's sport on news and see what happens from there. Um, what about you, John? There's plenty to rant about. John might have faded away at the uh, moment. I know there's plenty of issues going on up in Queensland. Uh, hopefully uh, he hasn't floated away on his canoe down the road, but uh, we'll find <laughs> out soon, uh, Yes, we can, mate. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, my phone was going crazy with um, incoming messages and things like that. So, like we say, we've got a flood situation going around us, which is always exciting. But, yeah, I heard everything that Pete had to say there, So, and I can hear a new... Sometimes I can hear you, but I was a little bit like being in Metallica's one video, you know, with the dude attached to the iron line. I just, I just can't get out of my body. Um, but yeah, my body. Um, oh, my rant. Look, it's hard to to look. Sometimes it's really difficult to be totally honest yeah. about stuff. But um, I know that one thing, and like especially with football and 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 all the rest of it, like it's been going for a while now, but like I'm, I'm so over being lectured to every single day by different news outlets and the BBC and all that when it comes to, you know, issues around, you know, all the issues around sport. And I don't have to be yeah. Einstein to tell you what they are, but like sometimes I just want to, you know, watch a game and go, you know what? I just want to watch the game. I, I, I don't look... And I care a lot. I've I've grown up in a in a household. I was educated to care about all those issues, and I was always taught to be vocal and call out injustice where I see it and things like that. And honestly, sometimes I struggle to find what you know the. the sometimes I wonder what we're going when every single game of football doesn't matter what level it is, or every game of rugby league, or every game of NFL, basketball, baseball, every goddamn motor race for God's sake becomes a vehicle for people with way more money than me to tell me about all the bad things that have happened to them to stop them getting to where they're going. And that is my rant. And I, and I love that because it's, it's very relevant. You know, sport is a great vehicle to get uh, social uh, messages out, and it has been for many decades. But it's all almost now that um, if a player doesn't do, um, and I'm not going to give a name out, but a, a cricketer decided to stand instead of kneel, um, in, in respect of a social issue and he was, you know, kind of raked over coals. And we talk about freedom of speech, which is not part of Australia's constitution by any stretch, but people talk about oh, my freedom to express. You should also have the freedom to express whenever you choose, but not when you're told. Um, and, and people may not even agree with the stand being taken and that's okay as well. So why should a whole sport have to have the same stand? Even if we disagree where that player's stand, it's not giving them the ability to make a choice. So I kind of agree with you. Every single sport at the moment, I'm told what to think. And and it's kind of almost degrading because we are intelligent. So many of us are intelligent people who can who have stands uh, on social uh, issues and so forth as well. So I, I love that. Um, my rant is nowhere near as good as both of yours. I had a couple uh, couple rants. I'm going to take one into another section. But AFL floating fixture for next year. So the 
loading fixture will be um, advised tomorrow, the first six rounds, and then they'll review it and do another six rounds and another six rounds. And I think it's been um, uh, two things come into play here. One is that, you know, they're kind of hiding behind the COVID situation, saying, oh, look, we're putting it in and we're going to wait and see what happens and then we can adjust. I think that's a, I think that's a lie. I think they're looking at ratings. So they put six weeks of games in and then one team just bombs who was going to be on Friday nights and so forth. They can then reevaluate their fixtures and so forth. Um, that's my that's my thing because a lot of people in AFL actually travel. It's one of those sports where people will go down to Melbourne or go to Perth or go to South Australia or come up here. A lot of supporters actually do travel for games and have their holidays and so forth around it. So I just... I just think, tell the truth, guys. Um, it's about TV. You've been told that you want better games and higher rating ones instead of telling us it's just about COVID. That's my rant. The NRL always did that. They used to always do that. Um, they only yep. went six weeks in advance. And, you know, what? like you say, honesty is the best policy. Everyone's so busy being honest about just about everything. Then how about you be honest about your money-making um, industrial complex that you've got going at the AFL. And if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, they, they can correct us in, in, in whatever, but I don't think I am. I, I really do think that's about, you know, the, we've all seen dud games um, of any sport. And even if it even if a team is five and zero, you can still have a crap game. They, they have injuries, they fall apart in the six. So, you know, just tell us. It's about maximising money and ratings and we'll, we'll at least go, yeah, right. cool, okay. I know that in the NFL, they have the capacity to flex games out of big TV audience yeah. rating times. Um, it stays on the same day. So, you know, this year I was supposed to be in Green Bay in week seven for what would have been a prime time game between the Packers and the Vikings. But they, they say that it comes with a caveat saying it could be moved to uh, one o'clock. And who, no one has a problem with that because you can at least plan for that day and plan for that travel. Whereas, you know, the six-week block, I mean, most people these days just you know, with money and everything, you have to plan way ahead. Hotels, flights, all these different things. So um, I think the AFL really does have supporters who travel. I mean, I know I travel three or four times a year for games and, you know, maybe maybe I'm being a bit of a sook, but I think it's a load of crap what they're telling us. That's my issue anyway. <laughs> um, right, okay. So we have a uh, game of, uh, or a test game uh, starting tonight. So, um, uh, the pink ball test starting. Um, I'm not sure what time that is today. Probably, yeah, one o'clock. So, you know, uh, mid-afternoon uh, going into evening match with the pink ball. Um, and, you know, I, I actually really enjoy the pink ball tests and the ball moves around. There's a great atmosphere as the crowd comes in after work. Um, but we were half right there, John, last week. Joey Burns is in the team. And Marcus Harris has come in as the, the a bit of a surprise opener with him. Well, certainly an underwhelming opening partnership. I think something else that we said last week was that um, I think there's a lot of um, uh, n- there was a lot of, of pre lead up non recognition of how high quality India's fast bowling. And, and uh, yeah, and I think they showed that the lead up game that uh, they're not here for the making up the numbers. Uh, I will say I'm. I think that they can be happy they didn't schedule the test for Brisbane today, or else they'd be playing it on the on the fair start of friendship. <laughs> There's that much rain around. <laughs> you are not wrong yeah. either. The test star. There's no way they they'd even get probably any cricket in. I don't think over the next few days in in Queensland. So, um, 
maybe they could have done an indoor cricket test there. No, well, never mind pink ball. They'd be using a beach ball, man. <laughs> and you know what? It's a pretty yeah. underwhelming squad when you go through it. And I, I don't want to put down players, but I mean, I'm just looking through the the team, and I think some of the state teams in Australia might might uh, cause a few problems with this. Test so, day. why do you think it's occurred this way that the the lineup is so? You know, blase. Why do you think uh, that the lineup has kind of occurred in this in this format? Well, I think our bowling, I think our bowling attack looks really good. I think batting. There's a couple things. I think uh, I think the team's been caught up, or the selectors have been caught up in um, incumbency. Um, they haven't had a lot of cricket in the past twelve months, so they're going down that line. John, I'll defer to your better judgment, but I think they've gone down the line of loyalty as opposed to form. Um, yeah, I think that's happened, but I do think that something else is um, is true is that if we're if we're real and really honest about the Australian batting lineup for the last five years, the only reason Australia's been a dominant Test team is because of one A Steve Smith and three C David yeah. Warner, and and that, let's be real, that's that's what saved them uh, in the Ashes. Okay, Labuschagne's come in and got some big runs. Um, but he replaced Smith when he first yep. came in. You take those guys away, and it's been a, a not a very solid batting lineup for a long time. They've papered over a lot of cracks, and a brilliant fast bowling lineup's also helped to do that. And um, sometime, when you keep rolling the dice, with, it's like the same in football. You keep going with relying on one guy all the time or two guys to do everything for you. Eventually, you're going to get caught out. Yeah, exactly. And, and good cricket term there as well, John. So thank you for putting that in. Um, Thanks, I think, How's that? Got Good I'm going to I'm going to go to the uh, third mm. umpire. No, let's let that one go. Um, so look, yeah, that'll be. I, I love the pink ball test. I think that's going to get a bit of interest. And um, from an Indian point of view, um, Pajara stayed in the team. Um, we've got some really nice bats, like Rohit Sharma and so forth. Virat Kohli's only going to play this test, um, from what we understand. So I, I think they've got a pretty good body lineup there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, look, Pajara is a class Test cricketer, uh, and um, one of the, you know, that's all he does. And so, yeah, and obviously with colleagues going to be going home. Well, that's not a secret. Yep. He told everyone. So India has to deal with that, uh, and I'm sure that they plan for one thing they they do do is the Indians actually prioritise the Test series against yep. Australia. Doesn't matter what anyone says about 2020 or 50 or whatever. They know that that's on their radar every two and years. Something that they absolutely and, you, and you think that we're their biggest rivals in in cricket at the moment? I mean, I know Pakistan, I know no, Pakistan, Pakistan, but in terms of that's a traditional. But do you think, from a supporter's point of view, they see Australia as a target they really want, or you still think it's Pakistan? Well, I think that's just because of the strength of the Australian outfit. Everyone wants to come yeah. to Australia and win, um, but you know, obviously for them, their first priority is Pakistan. And then, look, they're never going to see Australia like that. That's the same as Australia seeing India like they yep. do England. Those rivalries are going to take 100, 150 years to, to erode. Um, but they, they, they're big time at this point in time and everything's cyclical. It's a big time rivalry. In oh, I love it's it. Good to have. Absolutely love it. Now, um, it, I, I do want to quickly touch on the BBL um, because it is something that's going to be on our TV screen every night. And even through Test Cricket, it's going to be on TV every night for a fair while. 
I know that John, you're not the biggest fan ever of of the, the not saying that you wouldn't watch it. You're not the biggest fan of the BBL. Um, for me, I I barely watch any of it now. And uh, what are we? How many seasons are we in now? About eleven. I couldn't tell you because it's it's the most boring <laughs> thing that I can think of when it comes to cricket. Brilliant. Because look, I'll, I'll generally have uh, BBL on in the background um, and just have it yeah. on the screen to kind of like fill up the room kind of style. Um, and, you know, I, I've been to a fair few games when the Sixers have been able to play at the SCG and that kind of stuff. Um it's admittedly, generally, I've found the BBL is a great time to kind of just get together with friends who you haven't seen in a long time so you can chat and then occasionally look across and go, oh, yeah, there's a cricket game on. Um, yeah, something's happened. Yeah, nice, good stuff. Um, it, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't say it's the most engaging or, um, you know, the most eye-catching style of cricket at the moment. <laughs> Okay, a few years ago, I took some of my kids to the BBL and they loved it because of the music, because of the fireworks, because it was over relatively quickly. Um, school holidays now, so I've said to the kids, what do you want to go to? They've said they want to go and watch a bit of soccer. They've said they definitely want to watch basketball. They really got into their basketball, which kind of surprised me. And I asked them about going to a couple of Brisbane Heat games um, and not any of the kids wanted to go. So that's also, to me, a bit of a litmus test kids what they want to do because the BBL is definitely aimed at families and kids and none of my kids wanted to go at all to the BBL and I think that says a lot. Mate, I'll tell you what it comes down, we all follow sport because of some tribal aspect, some feel-good aspect to you supporting a team and as a Queenslander, I mean I've had this discussion with you both you guys uh, on several occasions, I have to be invested in the team and I'm invested in everything Queensland. But when I turn on the telly and I see a guy like Ben Cutting who's, you know, busted his, you know, balls for that, and I hate this term, franchise over the years and be one of the best players that are turning up at Sydney and falling out. With, you don't know who's playing for who on any no. given night. You don't recognise these guys as Queensland or Victoria. Or, I'd love to be playing against Sydney. You know, I could get fired up for Sydney, but I get a whole lot more fired up to play New South Wales. And, and, and the other thing is, like, um, the, the whole witness test, uh, witness test thing again is what you guys have alluded to, how much you actually care for your franchise. So I go away from a Brisbane Raw game and they've lost. And I'm, I'm upset for that week or two until we kind of get a result again. Um, Richmond lose, I'm devastated. Storm, you know, stuff like that. The Brisbane Heat lose, and I'm like, oh, well, there's another game in a few days' time. It's, you know, I treat it as an event as opposed to a team I follow. Mm. They lose all the time. But, but if it was Queensland, I'd worry about it. But it's not, and I don't really I'd care. I'd actually love to see a team up in North uh, Queensland at their, at their new ground up there. I think that might get a yard sign, a bit of interest from a, from a Queensland perspective. I think they'd really get behind it. Yeah, but look. Uh, yeah. Hey, how about they put one on the Gold Coast? Well, they need to play <laughs> half their games there, aren't they? No, not at all. I, I look, Sorry. you know, who knows? In decades come... Um, well, they keep putting teams for every sport everywhere yeah. and it's just always the same story. Let's have let's have two in Sydney, two in Melbourne, we'll have one in Queensland. And, oh, hang on. Queensland's such an awesome sports place. 
let's flood that market and let's kill all the teams off at the same time. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. Um, Look, for me, I think we've summed up the BBL. We're not haters. We want it to be good, but it just doesn't feel right. And we're not the only people saying it. People saying much harsher things than we are. Um, Everything they wanted this league to do, it's stopped doing at the moment. I think TV ratings will be fine because Pete just summed up what a lot of people in Australia will do on uh, on a Wednesday, Thursday night in summer. It'll sit in the background. Oh, that was good. But I, I have not watched a game from ball one uh, to ball 240. I'll tell you one. what, I'll actually throw in here a slightly different perspective whereby I, I work in a lot of schools running different sports programs. And so I come across a, a lot of, you know, your cricket programs that are running in primary schools or high schools or at different events and that kind of stuff. And a really interesting one is, you know, a few years ago, it used to be really hyped up. Oh, the cricket guys are here. They're doing this. They're doing that. It was really exciting. Uh, and now it's kind of really, it's dulled down a lot. And I don't know what might be kind of my reasons behind it, but for whatever it is, uh, it's definitely lost its gloss uh, amongst, you know, the next generation coming through of younger players of, you know, just your average everyday kid who just wants to learn about different sports. It's just not exciting anymore. Teammate Hendrick is back on the team sheet and back on the score sheet for Newcastle United. In from Rafinha. Rodrigo's header is looping and Bamford will tidy up. Once again, about letting him in on a strong right foot, James Justin. I mean, it doesn't get close enough to him. Sigurdsson with the corner. Another good delivery. Goal. Oh, and it's in. No, yes, it is now. Well, Mason Holgate doubles Everton's lead. Someone, someone familiar to embrace. Mo Salah via Eric Dyer and Liverpool lead 1-0. Is doing its weekend, midweek, weekend kind of thing. And um, we have Liverpool as clear, clear winners over the last few days. <laughs> clear winners. Good gosh. Uh, I wish it was that clear and obvious, but it, it really isn't, uh, especially with, you know, really interesting things going on over at Liverpool. Uh, them currently, well, the, after this morning's success over Tottenham, uh, and the best thing about the Tottenham game is obviously uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, pre-game talk where he basically listed all the players that Liverpool originally had injured and then would be available to play. Uh, and uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, ranch saying, oh, we've got two players injured in the under-16s team, uh, two players injured in the under-20s team. Uh, we can count them on our roster as well. But it is incredible at the moment. Um, thinking about the Premier League, Liverpool, as you say, top at the moment by three points. Uh, and then as you scroll down the list, somehow in the middle of the table, you've got Manchester United. So Ole Gunnar Solskjaer remains to survive. Who knows how? Um, Arsenal are on the brink. Uh, they're 15th at the table at the moment. Mikel Arteta has basically got a, a giant axe hanging above just his head. Uh, and then uh, late last night, we actually had our first Premier League sacking of the season with West Bromwich Albion deciding to get rid of Slavon Bilic, having been in the job for 18 months, and replacing him with Big Sam Allardyce. 
I just don't see that as a positive going forward. But uh, Mourinho also said post-game, very Mourinho style, that they were the better team. And watching that game, looking at the stats, looking at everything, Tottenham were not the better team. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll definitely bounce on that and say Tottenham played to a certain way. It wasn't better by kind of aesthetics point of view. I don't think that they were more efficient or more effective up front either. But they played kind of the most Mourinho way that they could have against this Liverpool side. And something that they need is they need toughness. They need to be able to tough games out, you know, like um, it's all well and good being flamboyant, running around the pitch against Fulham and teams like that, or, um, you know, midweek Champions League matches. But you got to, you know, sometimes against a team like Liverpool, you just got to dig in and play hard and attack their shins and do whatever you got to do. And why not? It, it didn't work, did but like it's going to say token. It did look like it was going to be that case, though, and it would have been a really great draw uh, for Tottenham to get. Would have kept them on uh, 26 points with uh, Liverpool at the top. And it was a very late goal that saw Liverpool get over the line. Um, pretty disappointing result for your boys today against Leeds. But you know, the, the goals came very, very late in that game. Um, a 5-2 result for Leeds. But... Are Leeds, the t- you know, I keep hearing this term that's kind of annoying me a little bit. They're playing football the way it's meant to be oh, played. We've talked about that stuff so many times. I mean, who cares? You've got to get over yourself, like, um, with, you know, all that sort of stuff. As a fan, I think you've got to learn to deal with it. See, I actually don't care anymore. All I care about is my team being relevant and staying alive. And, um, yep. you know, like today, I mean, let's be realistic, and it was not – for all the stuff they could have talked about in the, in the during the game, like Newcastle was ravaged with coronavirus. The, the the team, the players, the trainers, the staff, everyone, and there's still uh, at least two of the players who are suffering severe effects from the disease. And, and you know, I don't believe we'll be the only club that's going to deal with that this year. Um, the players are tied. Our squad's threadbare, as everyone knows. I I tell you this, and I you guys probably both watched the game today is that if Shelby had played in midfield, the kind of – I thought we actually looked like we had quite a sharp edge up front today. For the two, three times we attacked, we scored twice, and we probably should have scored another one. And um, I think if Shelby had been in there spraying some balls around um, rather than, you know, Joe Linton playing and trying to, you know, pass his way out of a paper bag, um, I know it's a different position, but I actually thought that our guys gave – Everything they had, the last two, the last two goals are so what? You might as well go down swing and as um, protect a three-two loss in a league game. It's not like it's the Champions League home and away. No, I mean look, the Leeds. Don't get me wrong; some of their passing is just as good as you're going to see, um, but some of their defending is just as bad. And so, yeah, they're they're a good team, but in reality, they're thirteenth. We scored so games, easily so. on the t- times we went forward. I couldn't believe it. Like I, I actually couldn't believe it. all I could think of was. No wonder they've got 4-3 as a recurring scoreline. And if you're going to rely on 4-3, no one knows better than a Newcastle fan. You can't win anything doing that. And uh, I just want to clarify, Pete, for you, when I said um, that Liverpool were the winners, I don't mean they're going to win the whole comp. I mean, over the last few days with results around them and so forth, they've been the, the clear winners of the last week in terms of what's ha- happened around them with 
teams like Southampton and Leicester and so forth not taking full advantage of their situation. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, there have been so many windows of opportunities for kind of your, the other teams nearby or at least, you know, your mid-table uh, mid type teams who can kind of rough up the top of the table. Uh, they've not really taken their chances. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with the fact that, you know, uh, Liverpool might not be playing the best football at the moment. They might not always have the best players on the paddock at the moment, but um, they're being quietly consistent at the moment. And that's exactly what you kind of expect from, you know, the team who's currently the reigning champions. Isn't the table... Oh, sorry, the table's so condensed that if we had a day and then we've got a game against Fulham, we could have jumped up to 23 points and been, you know, in serious sight of the top four. And then, you, and, and that's a that's a great point. You, you and we were talking about Solskjaer and United before. Um, they're down in ninth, but they've got two games in hand. And yes, nothing's guaranteed. Um, but they pick up a result or two, and you know they go from ninth up to potentially you know second or third. So it's such a tight year. Um, I won't get carried away with my Villa, but we're three games behind a lot of teams, and we're sitting in eleventh now. So it's it is really a season where. Anything's anything's um, up for grabs, you know. There's there's Champions League spots up for grabs for teams you wouldn't have dreamed of it at the start of the season, um, you know. And and so it's I just, I just think it's an amazing uh, Premier League season. And I do want to give a shout out to some friends who are Arsenal supporters. And I do want to say this: yes, it's a difficult time for you. You're down in 15th. You've played 13 games. But you've had so much success over the past 30 or 40 years. You know what? Learn what it is to actually really struggle because that's what you're going through right now. And that's what most of us have gone through over the years. So be a real supporter. Get behind Arsenal. Ask for changes. But don't, you know, don't get too carried away with bagging your team because they've given you a lot of joy over the years as well. Yeah, it's a good point. And obviously, there's plenty of pressure at the moment on the likes of Mikel Arteta. So, you know, it's the type of thing of maybe uh, it's jumping the gun and that, you know, your fans need to support your team, as you say, that you need to kind of take your foot off, uh, foot off the gas a little bit and refocus and things will end up improving. Uh, but it's about giving time and not rushing. Um, that it's, it's a classic thing of... The season is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I think something that uh, John said earlier about another part of London with Tottenham is Arsenal can play beautiful football, but they don't seem to have anyone who's willing to put their foot on the ball or put in the hard tackles. And I think they've developed a team based on an ethos from maybe 10 or more years ago where now they have to recalibrate and maybe get some hardness in that team. Because they don't seem to have any steel whatsoever. Well, they've had, they've had some of the absolute best yeah. hard men midfielders that you could ever want, and um, and that's yep. you know you could mount a serious case that that's the basis of the success that they had. Yeah, you could. I mean, they went from that and then played a bit more of a beautiful style based on that, and I think that's what some fans are caught up in, and and that could go. You know, Leeds fans just you know watch what you want. Because playing the beautiful football is fantastic and there's no chance of relegation this year. Let's be honest. Some of the teams, you know, from Fulham down, they're going to Fulham, Burnley, West Brom and United. I don't think there's going to be any I chance. I have to say and be honest, I'm going to take my hat off to Leeds because I couldn't believe this. Look, 
there was a couple of things going on in that game. One, their tempo was unbelievable. Their ability to move the ball into channels. And we didn't seem to be able to adjust. And I, I, I do think that coronavirus had some part of it. And I, you know, I actually, you know, it's, sometimes you want to absorb that kind of heat. Um, but, see, they, you know what? They never actually stopped. They just they kept that speed, nice. that tempo going all the way through. And I thought that some of their passing ability coming out of defence and transitioning up front was first class. So I felt that some of their defending, though, looks horrible. And um, and that's why, you know what, I said to you in a text this morning at 4-2, I still thought we had a chance. And I think all three of us could say this, having um, having well, Pete, your team, Liverpool, beat uh, uh, Leeds 4-3. My team was absolutely humiliated uh, by Leeds. And, and in the end, even though it's probably not a fair scoreline, uh, Newcastle were thrashed by Leeds. Some of the passing is some of the best I've seen in years, and it is enthralling. But I think you're you're exactly right on the rebound. I don't think I've seen a team this fit this early for years, but can they do that over the 36 games? Because it is a high-tempo game. It is. Yeah, well, that's the classic thing that Biesler has spoken about with his teams and everyone saw over the last two seasons um, in the championship what his team is able to do on, I wouldn't say a regular basis because there's the classic thing of Leeds will fall apart at some point. So you just have to kind of prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Leeds, Leeds are falling apart again. Are Sorry about that, boys. More heat on social um, media. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get that away from you, man. No, no, I understand that. Look, I will um, finish off this part of our football section with my second rant of the night, uh, if I haven't had any already. Uh, Leicester Everton this morning, right? Good game and... There was a VAR um, decision made. So the refs called for a penalty, went to the VAR. Um, it was a slight touch um, on the Leicester forward and it was overturned by the ref. So he went over to the screen because the decision didn't come back quickly enough and he went over to the screen. But they only showed one angle. So he only saw one angle. And I can tell you that angle was, oh, maybe it was a penalty, maybe it wasn't. But they didn't show the multiple penalty, uh, so the multiple angles that we got, where I thought it was a penalty straight up, and then upon the replay, I still thought it was a penalty, even though it wasn't, you know, absolutely clear cut. So if VAR is going to allow the referees to go over to the screen, which I like, then it's got to show multiple angles. It shows one angle because we, you know, what given the penalties have gone down this year, we had a we had a call on Callum Wilson in the um, second half when it was two all, and. Uh, you know, they got right into his back and into his ankles in the penalty area, and he went down, and and, and everyone just fobbed it off as if nothing happened. Well, given some of the stuff that's gone down this year, it looked like a stonewall penalty. Now, I don't think it – I didn't mind him going either way with it, you know what I mean? The referee makes a call. But nine times out of ten, when that stuff's gone upstairs this year, they've come back and said, well, there you go, it's a penalty, boys. Yeah, it's just incredible. I think we uh, just lost John there for a moment. No, I'm here. Yeah. I think we just lost Can you John. Hear me? Yeah, we're all good. We're all back here. So we got. I think uh, they might have been there on social media again, John. Well, I'm just looking outside and I'm thinking, um, you know, I don't know whether I want to get like on SS Titanic. I don't think she'll make it. <laughs> uh, look, um, 
final section on football uh, or, or on the world game. A-League starts in a week and a bit, and I think, Pete, on social media, you made a couple of comments. We're not seeing anything. You can put in, um, I farted in the closet, and you'll get 100 ads on, you know, deodorants or something. But you talk A-League, and we're not even getting any promo ads on Facebook, Twitter, anything at the moment. It's uh, – it, it belies – or it beggars – there's just absolutely no vibe on the A-League this year at all. Well, I guess it it really does come down to the fact that we we still haven't had this unbundling between the A League and the FFA. It, it's all been verbally agreed, uh, but it hasn't officially been signed off from a legal's point of view. And because of that, you know, the, the clubs want to do different things, but they can't. The FFA wants to do certain things, but they can't. Uh, it seems like basically everyone's kind of taken their hands off the wheel and basically just said, "Yeah, hey, let's hope for the best." Um, and it's incredibly scary because, you know, as you mentioned, we've got a league that's set to kick off in, in 10 days' time or just under 10 days' time, and there's not a whole lot of promotional material going on. We don't have, you know, your ads on your buses, your uh, ads on the back of a taxi, your ads online. You don't have really a whole great deal of social media posts either. It, it's incredibly quiet. Um, and, you know, we, we have this Fox Sports um, a branded season launch in a way which took place um, the other day out at Sydney, um, uh, sorry, in Sydney Harbour, basically up at Barangaroo. Um, but not everyone was invited. So no one from Brisbane came down. No one from Newcastle Jets came down. Um, no one from Perth was invited and no one from Canberra United um, came down either. So, you know, it was a really interesting one that you've got a season launch where not everyone's there. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe that either. And it looked like part of the launch was done in um, the cellar from uh, Science of the Labs. <laughs> yeah, well, I personally thought it was actually more of the Four Seasons landscaping, like uh, Rudy Giuliani and <laughs> um, Trump. But, uh, yeah, there were plenty of crossovers. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we do need Jim's mowing on, uh, on wherever it is these days to uh, be the major sponsor of the, uh, of the A-League. love our football and just to see this debacle is just it's horrendous and we are allowed to call it out we're allowed to call out hello Paul you still there no I'm here can you Obviously. hear me, Pete? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. I Paul's bet Paul can't out. hear. Uh, Paul, if you can hear us, man, um, I love the call on Jim's mower because that dude was getting plenty of airtime during the coronavirus. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, season launch. Is anybody funding the game in Australia at the moment, Pete? Uh, well, the, there's no major sponsor. There was mm-hmm. hopefully going to be one that was going to be announced back in August and then that got kind of pushed back to October and then that got pushed back to December and we still don't have one. So, yeah, basically we've still got no major sponsor and still no sign or news of who's going to be our major funder. Um, Newcastle Jets owners have basically just picked up and walked off, which now means that all the early clubs are now going to be propping up Newcastle Jets. 
So there's even less money going to be involved uh, at the moment. So that pokey revenue from RPL Football Club's not going to cut it anymore, hey? No, unfortunately not. Uh, bit bit yeah. upsetting. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll try and send Paul a message again. Can <laughs> you guys hear me? Okay. You can hear us, Paul. I can uh, hear you. Can you, you guys hear back. me? Did you, guys? I don't know what's going on. Apparently, um, apparently these issues in our area because of the rain and everything like that as well. So, uh, apologies for that. But we'll uh, we'll move on to our next section. There'll be a bit of editing on today's podcast. I can promise you this. Um, this is one that uh, John's very keen on, I'm keen on. Pete, not so much, but we're getting you on board with teams and it's our NFL section. So Kansas City rolling, the Packers rolling, but we had one of the games of the year the other day and John and I were lucky enough to watch it. Baltimore versus Baltimore versus Cleveland. What a game. It was a great game and it wasn't just because of high scoring. It had all the drama you'd want. A great comeback by both quarterbacks. I thought it was a... It was just a super exciting. There was even some people in the crowd, and I mean, I was pulling so hard for the brownies, like I guess just about everyone would be. But man, I, I've also said in the program before, I really love Lamar Jackson, and um, and I thought he showed yep. some real um, stones at the end of the game, even to get out of the toilet where he obviously was, walk back onto the field after that, and um, I just what an amazing game. The end was just fantastic, hey. 45-42, and I totally agree. It wasn't the high score line, and it didn't feel like a high score line kind of game. Um, just for, for your record, Pete, these were two teams that are that are actually playing as good a football as you want to see, but they're, they're playing really at the moment for wildcard spots um, in an expanded kind of postseason. You were talking about the ravaging of Newcastle with coronavirus, Baltimore have been hit as hard as any club in the NFL with coronavirus. And uh, Lamar Jackson is apparently struggling through the after effects of that, saying that there's times where he can barely breathe. So it makes it even a more amazing win. Yeah, that's true. And I think one of the things is for um, anyone out there, if there's always this um, striving by sports media to create narratives. I mean, there's the Browns, Ravens game has one of the strongest undercurrent narratives one yep. could possibly want because the Ravens were the Cleveland Browns and after many years they up sticks and moved to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens. They left their name behind. That had so many years of futility. They were just coming good when they left. The Baltimore Ravens go and win a two-time Super Bowl champions and the, and, and the Browns haven't been to the playoffs maybe once in the, since they returned to the league. It's a traditional old team. Um, football city and and that's why everyone's pulling so hard that's for them. Definitely, like it's one of the times when you can be little brother when you're the big brother, but you're also the cousin, the grandfather as well. That's a well put, actually. And uh, look, it had huge ramifications on on the AFC that game. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, I had extra incentive for Cleveland to win because uh, a Dolph- the Dolphins really put Baltimore behind the eight ball. Um, Dolphins losing uh, 33-27 against the Chiefs. Um, the, you know, we get out to a 10-0 lead, looking pretty good. Didn't make the most of three uh, intercepts on Mahomes. They come back and absolutely thrash us by three-quarter time, 30-10. to 10. And we actually had a chance late in the game to steal it. So everyone's saying, oh, Kansas got bored. And like good teams do, they got bored and let a team back in. 
I think that is so disrespectful to what actually happened in the game. We just put a lot of pressure on Mahomes, um, three turnovers by him. And the Dolphins are a really good team. So um, I don't think Kansas are any way down Mazair to win their Super Bowl this year. I think you're about two years in front of the development. What you would want it there as a, as a, as a club, I think, that they've uh, got excellent coaching staff. They've, they've still got picks to come in the draft. Um, they're playing. They're pretty hard to beat. There's a chance you yep. won't make it into yep. the finals this year because you look at the way that it shakes out at the end and Baltimore got a very soft draw. Um, but um, I think you can be happy with... I mean, you know you're still fighting and haven't been able to say that about the, about the Finns for a while. And just one sad note, this, I think, believe that was the last week of them in their old yes, throwback uniforms. Yeah, and they look... You have got to stand to get that back permanently as your I'm on a few jersey, different man. sites with the Dolphins uh, pushing very hard for that. Um, just so you know, Pete, with the, uh, with the Dolphins, they got rid of a ton of their players over the past couple of years um, and have so many draft picks in the next two drafts um, that at the moment we don't have a very good uh, receiving or running back core and it is going all out for that. Um, they've got the quarterback they want, so they're going to go all out for wide receivers and running backs in the next two drafts which means we're going to be really well positioned. So um, watch out for the Miami Dolphins the next few years. They might not make it this year, but they've made me proud. Uh, Packers Packers are doing really well for you, mate. Um, they're looking like real contenders in the NFC. Yeah, well, I mean, they certainly get a lot of shade thrown at them because of the way that they exited last year's playoffs. And, you know, so over two years, we've basically won a lot more games than we've uh, lost. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind at the moment. Got a great receiver. We've got excellent um, offensive line. I also think we've actually got, for the first time in a long time, a good running game. And well, I don't know everyone's a bit down our defense, but I think the sum of its parts. I, I'm starting to get that little. I'm starting to get that little feeling, you know, that little feeling to get inside when you actually think I might have it. One of my teams. One of my teams, thank God, might actually bob up and do something because I know it's not going to be the mag. <laughs> well, I tell you what, though, the um, I think your defense is actually pretty good. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as what people are saying. And we're going to have final note for the NFL on this section. I just want to say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, wow. The, the 11, and, 11 and 0 was very flattering to them because they look like the old kind of issues are starting to come to a head. I want to give a shout out to Pete's team, the Buffalo Bills, man. If you haven't got that cap yet, Pete, you better <laughs> get one because they're going to the playoffs. And that uh, Josh Allen, Dude is cooking up some really good ball and and um yeah I've I've got a funny you know yep. you're gonna get those funny feelings I think that um I I got to get away from my Super Bowl prediction of, <laughs> that we made at the start of the season which was the Cowboys versus, <laughs> um the Chiefs so I need to redeem myself and I'm gonna I'm gonna, look I'm gonna call it and I, I shouldn't take a lid off but uh, I think that. I think I'm going to be watching my Packers play against the wow. Bills. Wow, well, I'll be going for the Bills, mate. You can't always have what you want, well, but I um, want that. Just again, we were talking last week, and he did it again. He keeps rolling out to the right, and no one seems to be able to stop him. He can throw across his body, uh, Josh Allen, and he is so good to watch. And that team, it's not all on him, but he's doing a great job. Uh, and I think he's a year or two ahead of where people thought he would be. 
Oh, I'm watching that the highlights as we speak right now uh, of the Pittsburgh against Bills uh, game. And, yeah, personally, um, if the Steelers have learnt or at least worked at training this week on how to actually catch a ball, that'd be nice. Um, and Bills, it looks like they're just winning intercepts like crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is uh, probably a good selection of a side that you picked for me, mate. I'm quite impressed. Enjoy, mate. Enjoy the fruits of your <laughs> and, labours. You and the good it. thing about following the Bills, Pete, is that um, they're not a Dallas or, without being rude, John, they're not a Green Bay. And what I mean by that is, uh, or New England, people will just buy the hats and stuff because they see them in stores and they'll go, oh, that's who I follow. And I know yeah. there are real fans of all those clubs. But if you're wearing a Buffalo Bills jersey or a hat, I can tell you right now, you're going to be in the elite company, I reckon. So uh, get onto that and then people will jump on the bandwagon in the next couple of years. Um, and do yourself a favour, please do watch that uh, documentary we've told you about the Buffalo Bills, the ESPN 30 for 30. Yep. I think it's, is it called Four Seasons? of the What's it called? Yes. The Four Fools of it, Buffalo. It's, uh, it'll really give you a bit of a grounding on, on, on how good the support is. <laughs> Get on the board. It goes totally broke and has to um, close down all um, outlets. Yeah. They're backing people hand over fist. Yeah, not, you're not wrong next. either. Guys, um, we, we're just going to come on to our final section, keep, kick, cuddle. But before that, um, we've had another AFL coach, uh, Richmond's coach, who's separated from his wife. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I don't care. Like, I care for him and his family. But I don't want that in the news. I don't care about Nathan Buckley and his wife or... or Gimmer and his wife, but it goes to show the toll that coaching takes on families and, and the sacrifices that kids and wives and so forth have to make uh, if they're coaching in any elite sport these days. Yeah. Silence is gold. No, no, no. <laughs> You're exactly spot on. It's, it's obvious that, you know, the, the demands of coaching uh, from, you know, not only a personal perspective, but also from friends and family perspective. Uh, and you know what? It's incredibly tough to find ways to be able to switch off as, as a coach as well, especially in those elite environments. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that there is kind of this separation, um, but it, it, in a way it kind of, gives individuals the opportunity to realign their values and really find out what's actually properly important to them. Um, and then from there, be able to grow as an individual. Yeah. And I suppose the other side is like um, getting all the um, comments from different people on social media kind of shows the sewer rats who come out and want to talk about it. Um, but look, nevertheless, we won't talk about that side anymore. Are you ready for keep Kick and cuddle, guys. It's the favourite part of the show. Here we go. Rightio. Mm -hmm. First one's up. Western Bulldogs, St Kilda, Sydney Swans. Going to get both of you to answer. Western Bulldogs, St Kilda, Sydney Swans. Who, who are you guys going to keep? Right, I'll let John answer first and uh, gives me a chance to be able to think. All right, I'm going to keep the um, Western Bulldogs, um, mainly because... My best mate's mum is a complete bulldog's tragic, and uh, and I need to sort of make sure I'm functional <laughs> around Christmas time. Um, but I do, you know, I, I, I also like their jersey too, so that's a big part of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna cuddle St Kilda. I remember growing up when when I was came to Australia watching AFL. I remember the bottom dwellers was always St Kilda, Footscray, yeah. and Melbourne, 
And it's funny over time how much that really hasn't changed. It, it, although it seems to me that both of those teams, Butchgrey and St Kilda, we went and had a look at the you know the yep. teams of the century, and we're just like blown away by you sort of the cumulative effect of the individual players over time. You would say St Kilda's team of the century would be like literally the best team of the century of all the teams of the century looked at. Maybe Richmond was close, but um, that was a fabulous team. Um, and I also like their traditional jersey as well. And um, I remember a guy at school had one a guy called Sean Reeves. <laughs> he was the only one I ever knew had one. And um, the third and final one is the Swans. Man, you know what? I used to be – people who know me famously will know that they used to be my second team for a while, but I absolutely hate them with a passion. And, uh, and uh, you know, and just – the. I feel that the Swans are responsible for bringing a lot of the negativity to um, AFL when it comes to stoppages and breakdowns and ball killing and game killing. And oh, what also, I'd love to see the Swans playing today against anyone because the score might be 12 Well, oh, Mate, I went to, I went um, to a game at, I'm gonna, I went to a game at the Gabba last year where I think it was 34 to 26, Richmond, Sydney. Worst game of football I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, well, that's my point in a nutshell. They can what go. What about you there, Pete? Uh, well, look, uh, I'll, I'll start off with a quick little cuddle and I'll, uh, I'll, assume, I'll put that towards the, the Swans because, you know, they are my local side. Uh, one of my earliest memories is actually getting a, an AFL footy um, from my aunt and it was actually kind of decorated in swans colours and uh, it actually had a few swan stickers. So, you know, they're my local team. And similar to what John's just kind of mentioned, they've not been doing brilliantly um, of late. Uh, they're not the most engaging team to come and watch. So i tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll say let's give them a cuddle because they need all the help they can get at the moment. Uh, in terms <laughs> of, uh, 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 you know, Kick out aside, geez, um, that's a really tough one. I'm going to uh, I'm going to say St Kilda um, for no other reason than you know the team I want to keep around is actually the Western Bulldogs because I, I find that they're they've been quite an interesting side. I really enjoy the way that they've been able to play their footy over the last few seasons, um, and you know their community engagement is really really strong from what I can tell. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's uh, that's how I'm angling. And and look, I, I love Very the cool. rationale, guys. I'll just go back to the Western Bulldogs, and you go through their team of the century, and and I don't know how they didn't win premierships in the nineties and the two thousands either. There, John. So their their team is unbelievable. Their team of the century. So you could probably say that about everyone, but really, I do not. Know. No, it's funny enough. You can't. When we went back, we looked at all of them. Were bit, it was Australia Day. No, it wasn't Australia Day. It was yeah, it was Australia Day because it was pre-COVID, and we sat there on the poolside uh, with some pretty knowledgeable guys. Not me. Um, we weren't going through those teams. It was like we, we all came down and said, "We think it might be a St Kilda Richmond uh, GF, not Hawthorne." It, it's it was amazing. It's really good. You've just given me a fire up for my uh, for my Australia Day this year, mate. So I think I might do a similar and come out with a list for you guys. And I don't think you'll be surprised at all. Um, I think I think the dogs in St Kilda would be right up there for me, but we'll uh, we'll talk about the, that another time. Okay, to an NRL one, keep kick cuddle North Queensland, Parramatta, and the Melbourne Storm. 
<laughs> uh, geez, I feel like if I uh, don't try and keep the Melbourne Storm around, that I could get kicked off this podcast forever. No, uh, not at all. So, uh, you know, that, that's the obvious one. Uh, your Parramatta, I'll happily say farewell to them because uh, they're kind of the butt of everyone's jokes of uh, the last few seasons or at least, uh, you know, whenever I've been in the teaching staff rooms, uh, you always kind of have a bit of a poke and a bit of a laugh at the, the Parramatta teams a little bit more than you do with the others. Uh, and then who was our third choice again? So we had uh, Storm, we had our uh, Eels, the Cowboys. And the Cowboys. Oh, jeez. Right, let's give them a bit of a hug because they need all the support after having, you know, your JT for so many years. Uh, they need all the help uh, and, you know, a bit of support behind them. Oh, I love it. I love it. What about you there, John? Oh, man. Um, look, I'm going to I'm gonna keep – I'm going to – <laughs> I'm going to keep the cows. All right. Um, I have to do that. You know, I was a Queensland deport position and all that. But Cowboys have always been fun to watch. I was the, you know, that 8.30 kickoff yep. match on Fox on a Saturday night when you've, you know, you've got nowhere else to go. Um, and they've given some great entertainment. I still don't know how they, who was responsible for letting Kalen Ponga leave and go to the Knights. I think that their retention policy yeah, there wrong. just died. Um, uh, I'm going to – this is so, – yeah, this is not very easy. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to – I thought you might. I, I know some of their fans and I I really I really feel sorry for them, hey? Yep. <laughs> like, I, can someone explain to me how Clint Gufferson this year – Pete, you live down in Sydney – how he managed to get – the nickname, <laughs> the king. Uh, it is. It's a huge That's name a pretty to try and carry. That's for sure. Maybe he hangs out at King's Cross. Oh my god! Well, it's either that or there's the kebab shop down that. the road. Oh, king, <laughs> so he's probably at there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel for them, and I'm going to throw them a bone. Good on your power. And the, the thing is, I know there's way more Parramatta fans than there is Storm fans, and um. Look, even if the storm were to disappear tomorrow, their legacy is insane. It's going to be unmatched for a long time for an expansion club in in any game. And I don't think they need any help because I think they're the best run organisation. I think it was really interesting what they did on their jerseys this year, having the uh, big V on there um, and even pointing out after a couple of the games, you know, we're doing this for Victoria. Um, it It got a fair few people offside who say they follow the storm in Queensland and things like that. But... What's their name? It's Melbourne Storm. So, how could they possibly get their fans offside? I thought, no, that I thought was so perfect as well, but they do. did cop a fair bit. Coronavirus, and if you're that myopic about it, then you're a dunce. <laughs> Final one for the. A few recording and editing issues in this podcast, so we apologise in advance and in the past. So, thank you for being patient with us on the Love Sport Podcast. And uh, we'll see if we can pick it up the next time. Cheers. It's Andrews again. Why he was really in the locker room all that time. Watch your trace McSorley. First down and 10. Frost hit a 55-yarder earlier this season. Just 
Justin Tucker has done it for Baltimore. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. We had John and Pete. We just tried to rip apart the week in sport. Unfortunately, our nails are quite short. If you've got any feedback, you can contact me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. You can get John at Lambic Peach on Twitter and also Pete at Pete Novikowski. We are the Love Sport Podcast. <laughs>